Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. All right, let me tell you a story, guys. The title of the message is The Broken Rock. All right? Guys, I spend a lot of time on those titles and, like, making the little thing. I'm like, sometimes they don't even have to deal with the message. I'm like, this sounds cool. But, all right, so there was a little boy who lived in a small city right next to a kind of a large body of water. And usually for cities like that, the main kind of economy or the source of their economy is fishing. Like most people, blue-collar workers and skilled laborers are all going to be fishermen, you know, or tax collectors, I don't know. But um, so there's this little boy who's going to be a guy I'm pretty much talking about the most of the time. Uh, his father was a fisherman, and his father before him. <clears throat> Can you open this for me? People that were uh, not high class or royalty were fishermen. Thank you very much. Everyone give them a clap of hands. Guys, it's going to be fun. <laughs> so people that weren't high class or royalty, they were skilled laborers, which usually meant they were either carpenters or, um, at this time, fishermen. And this is back in the gap. This isn't like now, you know, where you can be work at Apple or something. <laughs> That's what I think people that have good jobs work at Apple. But... uh so he remembered as a young boy, his father would come home, who was a fisherman, after a long day and would smell really like dead fish because he was a fisherman. And I promise you, that probably smells terrible. It reminds me of a dumpster near our apartment. Who also, which reminds me, there was a lady yesterday that was dumpster diving in, in our dumpster, like inside. Of the dumpster, and I was, <laughs> I was going to throw my trash bag in there, and like a bu- like hundreds of flies came out, so I swing it to the other one, and I sped walk away. She didn't look friendly, and I'm like, like two seventy five, and I was scared of this lady. <laughs> that tells you something. So, uh, <laughs> lost my track. Okay. Uh, his father started teaching the little boy everything he knew about fishing, which wasn't just how to cast the net. It was teaching him how to thread the rope, how to braid it together, uh, where to find the good material to to do it. Uh, It was teaching on what side of the boat is easiest to cast, depending on how you prepare the boat. It was about what times was the best time to fish and in what areas, about the patterns of the weather, and how to know if it was going to be a good catch or not. He taught him how to clean the fish and where to sell it, and for how much, and to who, and to who to trust in the market to give you a fair price. His father taught him a lot, to the point where it was him and his brother taking over the fishing business. Fishing wasn't just a game uh, or a, a mystery to him. You either hadn't fished that day or you didn't catch anything. As he grew up, he became more confident, blunt, and direct. He knew the outcome of most of his life, and he planned for it. He was going to die a fisherman, and he was going to be okay with it, until one man showed up and ruined it all for him. The story kicks off in the shore of the Sea of Galilee. 
we're going to talk about Peter. Everyone say Peter. Everyone say Peter, the baker. <laughs> what if this whole time I, like, I got confused? I was like preaching about the Hunger Games. How many of you all like watched or read the Hunger Games books? How many of you weren't allowed to? <laughs> Michaela, you were grown up. <laughs> you were like in college at that point. Okay. <laughs> I married you. <laughs> oh, she's going to listen to this recording. Love you, Mama Lynn. All right, so Matthew four nineteen through 20. I didn't give him any scriptures because I totally forgot. So bear with me. Just close your eyes, think about it. But you don't have to close your eyes. It's weird. Uh, I started. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Obviously. I thought they were bakers. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And it says in verse 20, at once they left their nets and followed him. It says at once. Like, who has jobs in here? Who has, who, or even just cuts the grass? I don't know. There you go. How many of you are going to like be kind of mid- like midway through cutting the grass or midway through your job, somebody comes up and is like, hey, you're cutting the grass? I'm going to show you how to cut for people. Like, I don't know, like say something weird, and you're like, fish? Fish for people? I'm going to leave. And this was back in the day, too. You were a fisherman. Like you didn't know anything else besides being a fisherman. You're like, you know, this homeless guy looks pretty cool. We follow him. Like this is, guys, Jesus was homeless. He was a wanderer. People would give him, and he even said that too. So he followed a homeless guy just immediately. He's like, you know what? Seems like a bright idea. I hate fishing. He could have, I don't know. But, uh, (laughs) so uh, we have Simon Peter, and a lot of people know, about Simon Peter, and everyone talks about him, how he's like brash, and he's burly, confident guy. He left his only job to pursue some homeless guy. That was completely out of Peter's comfort zone. Because like, as you see later on the story, and I'm going to talk about that, but he was like a confident, no-nonsense, kind of absolute guy knew what to say, like he wasn't the guy that kind of relativism, where he's just like, it could be this, but like fisher, like being in the fishing business, like you either caught something that day or you didn't, so he was, his whole life was just absolutes, like I'm going to have something this day or I'm not, so he was a man of faith, you can say, but um, he was kind of called out of his comfort zone to follow like the most mysterious person in the world at the time. And that's where I'm going to lead to my first point. Let's close. Almost all over my Bible. Says, uh, the first point is sometimes God calls you out of your comfort zone. And 
It's true. God calls us, each of us out into something that frightens us and plainly, sometimes we don't even want to do it. I'm just looking at everyone's face to make sure everyone's following me. How many of y'all, God's called you to do something and either you were scared to do it or you just didn't want to do it? How many of y'all were supposed to apologize to someone but you didn't want to do it? That's God telling you something. Or maybe like, I don't know, like if there was someone that was, I was crying on the side of the road or for guys, it's usually like helping a lady change a tire or something like that, which I still don't want to do when my parents raise me right. But yeah, God calls you places and in seasons of doing something that sometimes you just don't want to do, if that makes sense. Uh, in John 21, verse 18, it says, Very truly, and this is Jesus speaking to Peter at the time, three years later from whenever he first met him. He said, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Now, in context, this is really just talking about Peter after he denies Jesus and all, uh, Jesus kind of told him, hey, you're going you're gonna to die. And that's, that's really what it is, is kind of during that time is people got martyred. And that's what he was going to say is, you're gonna, I'm going to lead you into a place where you don't want to go. And that was him honoring God through his persecution. But I'm going to take it a little step further. Like, what is God calling you to do? That you're either scared to do it, you don't want to do it, or just you don't you're not even listening to God at that point. Like you don't even know He's calling you to do anything. And so that was something in my life where I felt God was calling me somewhere and I was ignoring it for like a year. And I'm not gonna get into specifics because I didn't ask the person if I could or not. But it was really just tell this person something that I was supposed to tell them a long time before that. And I was scared to do it just because I'm, I'm a very blunt and person that doesn't care about kind of like the truth. Like if I need to say something, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, but this is what I have to say. But people that are sensitive, like my wife, <laughs> it's not about her. But it's so hard to be like, hey, you're being ridiculous about this. And like kind of tell the truth in that because she'll cry at that point. But I have to do it in the right heart, right? Am I good with that? Everybody's looking at you. And so I went and kind of approached the person. I'm like, hey, I feel I'm supposed to say this. And I said it. Thankfully, they had the right heart. <laughs> I've heard things where someone's addressed something to somebody, and they got shot down, and then even more unforgiveness and bitterness. But thankfully, I didn't have that happen to me. So I addressed it, and they, we got kind of a resolve out of it. And that was just because I was following the Lord's leading on that. Everybody with me? 
good. Let's see. So, let's see. Let's talk about Jonah, specifically about not going somewhere God's calling you to do, or no, telling you to go somewhere that you're not actually going to go to. Sounds good. Okay. So God told Jonah to go to Nineveh at the time. I know I'm pronouncing it right because I looked it up. But uh, to warn them to return from their sinful ways. At this time, I think it was the Assyrians, just to give you guys some background. Or if they didn't return, if they didn't repent to God, and this is all throughout the Old Testament, really the prophets and all, if they wouldn't repent and return from their ways, that God would smite them. And that's a reoccurring theme in the Old Testament is, you know, turn from your ways or I'm going to smite you. And sometimes God did. And that's probably why I like to read the Old Testament too. (laughs) But uh, instead of following God's leading, Jonah chose to go the opposite way instead, which was Tarshish, I think, yeah. I watched uh, VeggieTales. Amen. amen. Who watched VeggieTales? Jonah. I'm going to say amen. That wasn't even good. Say amen. amen. Come on. Amen. Come on. <laughs> but uh, so he got swallowed up by the big fish or whatever. Got, and then he went to Nineveh, said, hey, guys, return from your ways or God's going to smite you. So the guys, everyone. Actually, they really did turn from their ways, which was surprising to to Jonah. And uh, everyone's like, (laughs) they thought the story was done. But he goes up and he sits on a hilltop and he's like, God, why did you why did you really like heal their land and like forgive them, smite them? Like, what do you know all they did? (laughs) They like sacrificed to other gods. They worship other other not other people, but other gods. They've done every, they've broken every commandment you had for them. Smite them. Like, and that's what he was thinking. And that reminds me of a lot of people of today. Like, think about it. Just, just think of like your distant aunt or something. I don't know. <laughs> it, it couldn't be your aunt. I don't know. It's not in your family. Don't worry. But there's just this religious spirit. There's just this religious spirit that kind of takes over people. And instead of wanting people to turn to Christ, they want them to be like, burn in hell. (laughs) Turn or burn. And it could be people in this church even. Like, I find it so kind of amusing on how, like, Christians today, they're, they're so surprised by other people's sin. Like, specifically people that don't even follow Christ or go to church. Like, they're like, man, the world's getting worse. The world's just as bad as it's ever been. It's covered in sin. Like, I mean, everybody knows that. What's bad is whenever it creeps into the church and Christians and we start judging and we start getting shocked and surprised by sin and we judge people and turn them away. God's not like that. Jesus isn't like that. How many of you were born in this church or born a Christian or or raised by a church family? All right. 
we're we're almost conditioned to be like not understand how the world works outside of our environment. Like whenever I grew up, and thank God I went to high school, like public high school, even though education's not as good, but it's okay. <laughs> but I mean, going into high school, I realized kind of my environment growing up was sheltered to the to the brim. And then not even not even mine. Okay, I wasn't that sheltered. Michaela couldn't watch like Hunger Games, but it's okay. <laughs> I couldn't watch Dragon Tales though. That was witchcraft. Let's let's do a poll. Who could shout some things out y'all couldn't watch? Little Mermaid. That's magic. Harry Potter. I I didn't even want my parents to be like that's witchcraft. True, maybe so. All right, who else? Dragon Ball. I still haven't watched Dragon Ball Z. I feel like my parents are going to walk in when I'm watching it, and I have my own apartment. (laughs) Pokemon, little demon monsters. Anybody? Cyber Chase? You can watch. Okay, I'm not going (laughs) to. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. God. Y'all's parents really watched that, though. My parents were like, if someone even said, that's got witchcraft, they're like, ooh, can't watch that anymore. Couldn't watch Power Rangers because they had those monsters in it that got really big. Don't know why. (laughs) But I still watched it. I I remember when my parents, they would go drop Seth or Nathan off to watch soccer or whatever. I'd be right near that TV. If I hear them, like, open the door, I'm like, previous channel. (laughs) I'd do previous channel so they can see what I was watching, like not watching. And then I would flip it again so if they grabbed the remote and press previous channel, they couldn't see what I was watching. Guys, I was slick. Just saying. All right, what else? I'm very curious. We got time. SpongeBob. Yeah, they have butts in there. Is that why? Okay. Let's you know go go home and ask your parents later on and be like yeah Jonathan was kind of making fun of your parenting styles <laughs> get Pastor Brady to call me the next day hey uh, Jay did you did you call their parents no I agree with most of those things I watched most of those things but I agree with not watching them see most of you that that are sheltered, are better off than me. See, Michaela? Look how pretty she is. Yeah, she was sheltered, better off than me. All right. So we're still on the subject of judging people, right? <laughs> All right. See, we can we can kind of piggyback that, that thing right there. People that were sheltered, kind of, no, I'm just not. They judge people that aren't sheltered. (laughs) Okay, I'm not going to touch that. All right, so another lesson we can learn from Peter's life is that uh, we need to reflect on what we pursue in life. Think about it. Peter pursued the catch, uh, the catch of fish, feeling like he was in the right place in his life. There was certainty. He appreciated the chase, but it was always satisfied whenever he would catch something and he would have to sell it or clean it or whatever he had to do. 
So I'm going to turn to Matthew. While you guys just see how fast I can do sword drills. How many of y'all did sword drills whenever you were younger? I would whoop y'all. My dad, instead of like board games and stuff, he'd like, crack open the Bible, and it'd be King James Version too, and we'd have to read it. So it's pretty much Shakespeare. Who likes Shakespeare? No. I'm just asking stuff while I'm trying to find the verse. <clears throat> so Jesus is is going to talk to the disciples at this point, just to give a little context, because I didn't I didn't put it up there. Uh Jesus was talking to the disciples, and, and everybody was kind of discussing who Jesus was. Because at this point, the disciples still didn't know who Jesus was. They just thought he was some homeless guy that had some cool stuff happen. Like he healed lepers or raised people from the dead at this point. So Jesus says, when Jesus came to the region of Cesare Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then Jesus says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are now Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Awesome place. Yeah, we don't have to look at that. <laughs> but, so, Peter was the first one to be like, what's up, you're Christ, you're the Messiah. The first one of, out of anybody, besides John the Baptist, because he was like, behold the Lamb of God. But, he was the second person because John was like in the womb jumping for joy when Jesus came in the room. But Peter was the one who had the answers to everything. And then whenever Jesus would show up, he's like, I don't know. And he had to follow kind of the mysterious guy. And then he found an answer and Jesus gave him the the uh, the name Peter, which is like Petros, which is Greek which means rock, for those of you who don't know that. Uh, when Jesus, whenever Peter joined the Jesus gang, like nothing was certain in his life. Uh, he would see people raised from the dead and lepers healed. It's quite a difference between seeing all of that and catching a big trout the day before, you know. He went from catching a bunch of fish to like catching people. I not like catching them, but like, you understand what I mean. Kind of church cliches. Uh, but the thing about, so we're talking about reflecting on what we pursue. The thing about Peter, he did not know what he was really pursuing in life. Uh, whenever he was following Christ, he was the only one to correct, to have the correct answer when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? So that reveals something kind of in his heart that, he kind of knew what he was pursuing, but he had no kind of solid foundation, if that makes sense. Which leads me to the kind of the next point is 
check your foundation before it fails. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture right here. Okay? Everybody good? If you're good, say you're good. If you're not good, say nothing. <laughs> I was honest. All right, so Luke twenty-two fifty-four. This is whenever uh, Jesus was in the room and he was telling everybody, hey, about to be taken, and they went up to the garden uh, and they arrested him. Those of you who don't know the, the story or haven't seen the Passion of the Christ, it says uh, in verse 54, uh, Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, uh, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. <laughs> okay. Uh, and a little later, someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man was also with him, for he is too a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, <laughs> I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And went out and wept bitterly. So, imagine like, I guess, someone that's been with you for a while, like one of your best friends, like you've seen this person almost every day of your life. <laughs> and you're going through a hard time. And let's say you're being bullied or something like that. And the person that's the uh, bully is like, hey, you're you're also with him, right? Like, just because friends of people that are being bullied also get bullied. And the, the person's like, Psh, I don't know that dude or I don't know that girl. And just totally, like, backstabs you. How bad would that feel? I just think about it. How many of you have been betrayed by, by a friend, a close friend? Raise your hands. It could be anyone in this room. <laughs> I'm looking at you. You, you, like I went, when I said that, I saw someone look. I'm like, don't look that way. <laughs> it could have been a friend. I don't know. But um, so you have Peter denying Jesus right after this story. Whenever I'm gonna start in uh, John 18:10. You're the only one that has your Bible open, so I'm just gonna say verses for you. Uh, <laughs> It says, then Simon Peter, this was whenever they uh, went to war and they were trying to arrest Jesus. It says, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? So this dude cut off somebody's ear. First of all, the accuracy you need to have that. like, whoosh, Maybe he just was aiming for his head. I have no idea. <laughs> He's blind, actually. Like, I've been getting this all wrong. He's been a blind fisherman. I don't know. <laughs> but, so, 
he had kind of all the power, all the confidence, all the arrogance whenever everybody was approaching him. All those big, strong, I think there was like 300 or more. There was a garrison uh, approaching them, and he's like, we're going to fight them all off, all 11 of us, because Judas was part of the other people now. <laughs> but he's like, we'll fight them all off. And then you go to where finally Jesus is taken, and he denies some girl, like some servant girl, calls him out, and he's like, no, it's not me. It's not me. And a lot of people think it was because he was scared to have the same thing happen to him. But the dude was about to cut off, like, cut this dude's head off and was about to go at it with some soldiers. So I don't think it was a lot about fear as much as it was kind of his foundation in life. And it was being taken from him. Like he's following the guy he was following for three years. See all this happen where he healed people. Kind of, they came, came up from the dead. And like, like 5,000, twice, 5,000 people were like from five loaves and bread and stuff. And then he just sees this guy taken from him. And the only thing he can think about is like, what am I going to do now? Like, put yourself in that position. Like, you followed the one person that's been consistent in your entire life. And finally, he's just being taken from him. So he goes from ready to cut somebody's ear off to getting scared by someone even saying that, that he knows him. So... Let me read what I have right here. Uh, Peter was following Jesus when he was on trial and was asked three times if he was with Jesus. His response was no, no, and no. When it came down to stand his ground, the confidence that was once there came tumbling to the ground. The man who he left the fish for is being put to death, and he has no control, no say, and no hope. When a confident man loses his strength, he fails, and Peter failed hard. So, later on in the story, after Jesus died, he went back to the thing, Peter, I'm talking about, went back to the thing he knew the most, which was fishing. But this time, he didn't just go back by himself. He brought other people with him. That's the thing to think about is, you know, whenever your foundation kind of crumbles or is taken up from under you or something you were pursuing so hard is lost, how many people are you kind of bringing with you whenever you're on that down spiral or you're in dry season? Um, at this point, Peter was a natural-born leader, and he brought a lot of the disciples with him. And I, I find it funny that they all went with him. You know, Jesus told them to even greater things than these that they'll be able to do, and they chose to go fishing instead. Like, back to where nobody died. Nobody, they didn't have to deal with crowds or people. They just have to deal with fish, and whether they caught it or not. So, Jesus was on the shore, and he told them to throw the nets overboard, and 
They caught a bunch of fish, and Peter's like, what's up? And he dove straight in to go meet Jesus. I don't know if you all know the story, but I'll just go a little into it. Uh, but Peter went and meet him on the on the beach, and he had kind of a little fireplace going, kind of cool, relaxing, vibing out. But uh, in John 21, uh, 15 through 17, it says uh, kind of Jesus addressing Peter about denying him because, I mean, obviously Jesus saw that and he wanted to talk to him about it. In verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he was kind of pointing to the, the rest of the disciples at this point to say, like, do you love me more than them? Uh, and then it goes into it as well, if you want to look at the, the meanings of the words. Uh, God or Jesus, he said, like, do you love me like agape love? Like, do you love me more than these? And Peter res uh, responds with the brotherly love. He's like, yes, Lord, I, I love you. And then he says, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Do you love me, he said. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And this is, I found very kind of peculiar is because Jesus mentions him by this past name because he already renamed him at this point Peter, which means rock. But Peter kind of went back to his old life, going back to fishing. And so in order to meet him where he was, he called him by his name, which also... For those of you who want to know, it means to listen or hear. Simon. So, Jesus, in order to kind of rekindle that rock that was there, he's like he had to ask him three times if he loved him. And the thing about it is, is whenever you lose something and you kind of have no hope and you have no foundation, you need to have something that can take that place. And Jesus is called the cornerstone. And so, in order for uh, whenever Jesus died and rose again, he had to take that place in his life. Is that I'm not just the man, I'm, I'm Christ. I'm the Messiah. You can depend on me. I can be your foundation. And that's what I think Peter was going through. Is The man that I followed this whole time just died. What's the point of following this anymore? Does it make sense? Good. <clears throat> you see, I'm going to word this correctly. There's been a time in my life where I felt I had no foundation, where I felt I had no hope and no strength to go on. Sometimes it's recently, sometimes I can think about I kind of mentioned, uh, what was it, like two or three weeks after we got married? I bet you found out, uh, like, the little stupid little thing inside of your stomach. Guys, we went through one doozy of a week. Uh, 
Michaela went for an MRI because uh, she has a kind of a hurt back and bulging disc because that wreck that she was supposed to be preaching on was it like last year, and uh, she's still hurting from it. So we had to do an MRI because of it. And they found out that she had this kind of mass in her uh, digestive system, I don't remember, or a little abdomen, her little abdomen, her little abs. And uh, whenever you hear mass, you're like, it's cancer. Like, because my mom had cancer, like, in her in her small intestine. So, like, immediately, like, when she told me that, it was like, 10 o'clock or something like that. She called me at work, and I was a wreck the rest of the day. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't have time for this. I was, I was really mean, just n- not to anyone in, in particular. But, I mean, Blake was there. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was just like walking around in the warehouse. And man, like, it was hard. Like, we cried. I've, that was probably the hardest I ever cried, like, that night and the day after. Cause like, like we just got married, and to think like, God, are you trying to take my wife from me? Like, what did I do? And it just it kind of brought a lot of flashbacks of, of whenever my mom got cancer, and that was a season in my life where that really rattled me, where like I had no foundation in that, and so like hearing that again brought me like oh like like where can I do de- like what can I depend on if like you let if like and then this is just kind of my wrestle with God questioning and it's always good that you can have these questions like like I serve you more than anyone that I was growing up with like I pray to you more than anyone that I was growing up with did and you let my mom like get cancer then you let like my wife to be like getting a wreck three times and she's a hurt back and now she could have like something in her stomach that we had to biopsy like in the in this point I'm just in the other room and I'm just thinking like it sucks to follow you God like I just thought that to myself like like what's the point if if I like and they say like greater levels, greater devils, the more you have to battle. I'm like, because I just didn't feel peace in that. I'm like, what's the point of following God if I don't feel peace? And, you know, there's always, like, there's this pastor that's like, you need the peace of God in your life. And whenever you don't feel peace in your heart and you're, you're, a, you're you follow Christ and there's stuff going all around you, you kind of want to sock that guy in the face. You kind of want to punch him in the face and be like, this is fake. And that's what I was thinking Like at that point. This was like a month and a half ago. I'm like wrestling with God. Like, am I going to keep doing this? Because it just seems like it's getting harder. And the reality is, is like before, it was it was so funny. Before Michaela came in, like I was taking a shower or whatever, but I was I was like praying to God. I'm like, like I'm just gonna trust you. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna depend on you, and I'm I'm just gonna ask for peace. 
because I didn't feel it at that moment. And right before she got in, is I played some, I started playing some worship music, and I felt the peace of God. And I just started crying, like no matter what happened, I was going to depend on God and trust Him in that moment. And then I just hear, yeah, like, and she runs in the room. She's like, it's nothing. It's something weird. Like, <laughs> and what it is, it's like an extra spleen t- tissue that she has in her in her abdomen. I'm like, you're weird, but. <laughs> Like, when I have to explain that to people, I'm like, yeah, it's like a spleen yule. They're like, is she going to die? <laughs> like, <laughs> It sounds like she has to use the bathroom or something. But I wasn't planning on sharing that, but I had to. Just because that was a point whenever my mom got cancer, I had no foundation. I was, I was following Christ. But I, I didn't know I could trust him. And then here we are with another dilemma that's a lot similar. And I, and I was able to just to roll with the punches and then say, God, I trust you even then. And that's why I like the kind of It Is Well song. And it just makes me want to cry every time. Like, it is well. Like, and it just it gives me so much hope because I know you know, no matter what, you know, God is still going to love me and still going to give me what I need. So everybody stand up. It started getting better in the end, right? Michaela said I'm pretty good at the end part of my messages. You can turn off the lights too. Oh, I love you, James. Everybody's talking. Please be quiet. This is an important part. Can I have everyone's eyes closed? You know, I'm talking a lot about Peter and I'm joking around a lot, honestly. Probably more than any other message. But it's also a very crucial point to realize what, what you're trusting in, what you're pursuing, what you're following. It has to be Christ. You can't, you can't fake it. You can't fake it until you make it. You can't pretend like you're following Christ because whenever something serious happens, and I pray that doesn't happen to any of you, but when rubber meets the road, and I mean, we're all humans. We all have to deal with, with life. But man, when when something happens is whenever you realize how much you trust God I realized how much I didn't trust God I realized I didn't trust God with my family trust God with my job and trust God with my future and there was a point in my life where I had to realize it wasn't going to cut it. If I wanted to keep following God, if I wanted to have a fire in my life where I felt the move of God, I felt I felt like I had purpose, like I had an identity in God and, and in Christ, 
that I had to realize that I need to trust Him wholly. You know, Peter, whenever Jesus said that He was going to be taken and and crucified, Peter kind of rebuked Jesus and he said, this is not going to happen to you. (laughs) And then Jesus called him a devil and said, I rebuke you and reprimanded him. But it revealed something in Peter that what he was pursuing was God in flesh, Jesus right there. And even if Jesus told him something, he's like, you're my foundation. If you leave, I have nothing. And that's what some of us were at that point in our lives where if something happens to our foundation that's not found in Christ, it's just going to crumble. And that's whenever we fail. So, I want to I pray. And I want to open up the altars and then we can, we can all leave if we want. But I want to really, really, really pray for the people that they feel like they they trust God with some things, but they don't trust Him with others. Where if something would happen tomorrow, God forbid, to their one of their family members or a friend, and it would rattle them, who would they turn to? What would they turn to? So I want to pray. God, I thank you so much that I was I was able to, to deliver this message. I pray that if it falls on fertile soil, God, that we can learn to depend on you every step of the way. Every step of the way. God, that we would learn that you, you call us out of our comfort zone. God, that we realize what we're pursuing in our lives. God, and let that be you only. And God, I pray that we have a foundation found in you in every step. God, whenever, whenever the waves and wind come, God, our foundation would stay strong. Where it feels like the whole house has just been taken. God, I pray that foundation will still be there. God, I pray all of this in your name. Hey guys, uh, if I can get some leaders up here. I know we had an altar call last week, but thank you. Um, I, I want to do one. I want as many times as I, I can kind of open the altar whenever I'm preaching. I want to just because I feel like I don't know something happens and. Specifically, I want people to come up. If you feel like you can trust God in some things, but you can't trust Him in others, like you, there's one specific thing where you just don't want to give up. It could be your future. It could be anything where 
And a lot of times, how you can determine you're not trusting God with something is if you have a lot of fear and you have a lot of anxiety for that. So I'm going to pray this out for us to leave. And after I finish, I want, if you need prayer, please come up. Altar's open. I'm not going to force you or anything. But if you want God, please come up. So, God, I thank you for everyone in this room. I thank you for the students that were able to soak up anything that I had for them, Lord. I pray that they find a safe place home. When they get in their bed, they they start talking to you and they think, how can they trust you more in a certain area? Or they put on some worship music and, and seek you. God, I thank you so much for tonight. And I ask that you do it again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So guys, you can head out. You're dismissed. Uh, You can head to the altar right now. And also, it doesn't even have to be about what I spoke about. It could be, hey, I need prayer for school. It could be anything. But I love you guys. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram.